You were like, oh, 
lost now. Because you know the movie is two hours, right? And you know that you are going to see the fulfillment of, hold on, you are going to see the fulfillment of a promise. You are not going to see the outworking of a 50-50 threat. He has made a promise. He does have that particular set of skills. He is going to see this through. He's going to find them, and he's going to kill them. Now, I've heard it preached, and I've even thought sometimes, I'm like, well, isn't this a revenge movie? I'm like, oh, the, doesn't the Bible say we shouldn't seek revenge? And the answer is yes, the Bible does say we shouldn't seek revenge. The Bible says we should forgive as we've been forgiven. So why, then, is this so appealing? Why does my redeemed, Holy Spirit-filled heart listen to Liam Neeson say these words, and something rises up in me that I can only call good? Why? And I'm going to argue that there's a reason for that. And that it echoes the heart of God in a way that we may not be comfortable admitting, but we're going to walk through it. And by the end of this message, I hope it's clear. But in order to do that, we need to set some background. And we're going to go, I'm going to turn this off. We're not recording. That's just a little bright for me. I cannot. We're going to leave that on. We're going to Numbers 35. Listen to this. This is God telling Moses what he wants the law to be. This is God writing the law. Who's, who's getting this direction? God, okay. <laughs> the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you select cities, you are to select cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the manslayer who kills any person without intent may flee there. The cities shall be for you a refuge from the avenger. That the manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation for judgment. But if he struck him down with an iron object so that he died, he's a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. And if he struck him down with a stone tool that could cause death and he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. Or if he struck him down with a wooden tool that could cause death and he died, he is a murderer. The avenger of blood shall himself put the murderer to death. When he meets him, he shall put him to death. Every family had an avenger of blood. If you killed somebody and you murdered them, the last person you wanted to meet was the avenger. Because the way the system worked is that they were the designated avenger of anyone in their family that was wrongfully killed. You had to run away, even if it was an accident, even if you were swinging an axe and the axe head flew off and hit somebody and killed them, you better hightail it to a city of refuge so they could come and get you, protect you on the way to court, so you could make your case that you're innocent, and then you still had to go back. If the death was an accident, then the congregation shall judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood. In accordance with these rules, and the congregation shall rescue the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood also just called the Avenger. And the congregation shall restore him to his city of refuge, to which he had fled, and he shall live in it until the death of the high priest, even if it was an accident. Because you killed somebody in the Avenger's family. The congregation had to rescue you, and you had to stay there until the death of the high priest. But if the manslayer shall at any time go beyond the boundaries of his city of refuge, to which he fled, and the avenger of blood finds him outside the boundaries of his city of refuge, and the avenger of blood kills the manslayer, he's not a murderer. He shall not be guilty of bloodshed. 
the last person you want to meet is the Avenger. The contract on your life is out. You have to stay in your little box, the city of refuge, and you better not leave. You could leave eventually, once the high priest was dead, and then, you know, the contract was off, so to speak. But this is really what was going on. Whose idea was this? God's idea. You ready for something even more shocking? This word Avenger, Hebrew, it's, it's sometimes called Goel and some of the things I've seen and, and sometimes transliterated, transliterated Gaal. I'm not sure we're going to call it Gaal. But this word is translated Avenger, Revenger, but most commonly, any guesses? Redeemer. And one of God's primary job descriptions is redemption. Oh. He's out to work redemption. This cannot possibly be the case, can it? And yes, it can. It absolutely can. Who's seen this movie? What is this? What scene is this? Oh, well, it's, 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 it's right next to that. So this is where Maximus is in the gladiatorial arena, right? The evil emperor Commodus doesn't know he's still alive. He thinks he's been murdered, like his wife has been murdered, like his son has been murdered. He goes down to the arena to congratulate the gladiator who just whooped up on everybody. He demands to know his name, and Maximus turns around and he says, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the Felix Legions, general of the armies of the north, and you can see Commodus begin to lose all of the liquids that he took in that day. And, he, and then he says this, I am the husband of a murdered wife the father of a murdered son, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. But doesn't the Bible say not to take revenge? Right. Well, yes, it does. In the New Testament, actually, it says to forgive as you're forgiven, right? It does say that. So why, you heathen sinners? <laughs> when you watch this scene, did your heart soar with an emotion that I can only call Good. And that's because when he says, you have wronged me in ways that there can be no earthly payment, I will have my vengeance in this life or the next, he is touching something close to the divine heart. There will be redemption. And one of the meanings of this word is vengeance. Vengeance is near and dear to the heart of God. This explains why Christian was so excited for the day of the Lord and the other half wasn't. Because there's two ways to take this message. And one is to think of yourself as the person that desperately needs to be avenged. And the other is to think of yourself as the manslayer. Mm -hmm. To think of yourself as the communist. To think of yourself as the barbarians that took the daughter. And I want to argue that so many times, so often, we want to whitewash the Old Testament. Someone said we try to pair the claws of the Lion of Judah and make him a house cat. <laughs> I think we want to do that because deep down inside, maybe we don't weigh in on the side of this debate that we wish we did. But I continue. This is, in fact, what redemption looks like. Listen to this from Isaiah 63. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises and the praises of the Lord. According to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great, what's this word? Goodness. goodness to the house of Israel. He's going to praise God for the goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them according to his? Compassion. According to the abundance of his steadfast love. So he's talking about something that God has done to Israel because he's good, 
because he's full of compassion, and because he has steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. So God has done this good, compassionate, steadfast love thing because you are his children. And he became their savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. He redeemed them, but he redeemed them in the very context that we are talking about. If you look at the preceding verses, what comes right before this, this is the event that he's praising God for. Who is this who comes from Edom in crimson garments from Basra? He who is splendid in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. It is I, speaking in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red and your garments like his who treads the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me. I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath. Their lifeblood spattered on my garments and stained all my apparel. For the day of vengeance was in my heart. My year of redemption, redemption had come. The Avenger. The last person you want to meet, if you were the manslayer, if you were the abuser, is the Avenger. You don't want him to come your way. The contract is out. Can you imagine if you were a child that had been wronged? He's praising God for coming to the violent and decisive rescue of his abused children. The chapter goes on, and Isaiah asks the Lord to do that for them again, in spite of the fact that they have rebelled. And he's probably referring to the Exodus, an event that God also describes as a redemption. Exodus 6, 1-6. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. Translation, I'm going to do something to him so decisive, so incredibly powerful, that he's going to push you out of the place he tried to keep you. I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery <laughs> to them, and I will redeem, redeem you. How? With nice words? No, with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. Things die. Lots of things die. God is not playing around. There's two ways to take what I'm going to talk about tonight. One is what Christian thought. When these horrifying things are happening, he has a strange feeling of joy. Why? Because it's his avenger coming to set things right, coming to rescue, coming to take him home. And the dreamer had a feeling of horror and fear because somehow deep down he knows that he's on the side that needs to be avenged against. Not sure if I word that correctly, but you guys got it. Mm -hmm. We're going to go to one of my favorite movie scenes next, I think. And, and this takes us into the next. I see my videos don't work. Don't worry. Relax. It's not going there. Dude, we're going to get all fist of the North Star, but we're not. <clears throat> Remember, too, this is a quote from Spurgeon, actually on Job 19, that it was always considered to be the duty of the Goel, that's the Avenger, not merely to redeem by price, but where that failed, to redeem by power. There are two redemptions, redemption by price and redemption by power. In both of these, Christ has wrought for us. Who's heard redemption defined as buying back? Well, it's true. Sometimes the Redeemer would buy things back. If you were a slave and you needed to be bought out of slavery, that was the duty of the Redeemer. 
Redeemer too. If you had to sell a bunch of your stuff and you were in poverty, the Redeemer could redeem you out of poverty. But if you were murdered, it was the Redeemer's job to go and take care of that guy. You could be redeemed by power, and God does both. And I'll tell you what, it's a good thing he does, because some things cannot be bought. Some things are too evil and too corrupt to agree to any price. Who's seen this scene? What is this? Is Pete still in here? Keep spoiler alert, buddy. We're watching this later. Why don't you go outside? terrible violence and swearing, so if you like that kind of thing, shame on you, but it's worth it. So. <laughs> Alright, hey, this person is consumed by fear. This is a sequel movie to the first Alien, where this character underwent some things that are so horrifying, the last thing she wanted to do was face the aliens again, much less a lot of them. Why in the world would she go back? Because she found out, it's not video, it's okay, I'm not going to play you. Come on, Rachel, that's out of here, go stand with you. <laughs> Maybe I should skip this one. My goodness. Look, she heard that there were families this time on the planet. And it was worth sacrificing the thing she feared most, dying in the most terrible way possible. She could not sit idly by with other people in danger. She went to be an Avenger for those families. And when she found out everybody was dead except one girl, she adopts the girl. I'm going to. Freaking cry. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'll cry tonight when I watch it with you. <laughs> so the girl is taken. She's in the alien's lair waiting to die. But she knows she's alive. The whole place is going to blow up. She's got 20 minutes. There's a whole horde of aliens. She's by herself. Now, a coward or anyone with sense probably runs away. But the Avenger duct tapes a flamethrower to a machine gun full of 95 10-millimeter caseless exploding tip rounds. Wow. And puts a bunch of M40 grenades in her pockets with some flares so she doesn't get lost. And risks it all. Oh. Risks it all for the girl. Yep, that's what Jesus did. One of the greatest scenes ever. There is something thrillingly beautiful about a mad dash to the alien hive that Ripley makes in order to find and rescue her adopted daughter, Newt. As the colony becomes ready to implode, when those elevator doors open at 3.05, the audience is treated to one of the finest hero shots ever conceived. That's the video description. And it's true. Do you know what's thrillingly beautiful about it? Jesus. It's a picture of something wild and true and self-sacrificial and good. And good. It's a picture of the Avenger and the Redeemer as it's meant to be. And you know, we don't see aliens a lot when we walk around. We don't often see giant monsters taking kids away. But we see all kinds of things that are nasty, do we not? Yes. If you look at Job 19, you guys can come back in. Sorry, spoilers are And welcome back to the sermon. We're not talking about aliens. Thank you, Pastor. Job, in, 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 in chapter 19, we're going to turn a little bit here too. He's saying, Behold, I cry out violence, but I am not answered. I cry for help, but there is no justice. He spends the rest of the chapter talking about the horrible, unfair things that have happened to him. And he says, I feel like even God is against me. And he's saying these things because he knows someone should make it right. 
Someone should come in and fix this. It's not fair. Even his friends are telling me he's at fault. And he's crying out violence, but I'm not answered. But then after he's done complaining, he says this. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead, they were engraved in the rock forever. He's basically saying, you know, I just said all that stuff, but record this, write it down, because I'm about to be proved right. You come back to this episode at this amount of time, and you know, you find out I was correct. What is he so sure of? For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Job is saying, all this nasty stuff is happening. I'm crying out violence. I'm crying out injustice. No one is coming to save me. But I'll tell you what. Write this down. Take this check to the bank. Even if I die, there's an avenger who's going to right these wrongs. And I'm going to see him face to face. But Job is realistic. In the next part, he says, and my heart faints within me. See, the avenger's scared but Job will be glad to be avenged. But he knows that's either going to happen now or after he dies. He has a long view of when that redemption is going to happen. But things make us cry out for a redeemer, do they not? Yes. We cry out violence, we cry out injustice, we see it everywhere, we say, what's going on? But do we say at the end of the day, write it down, my redeemer lives, and now or later, he's going to make it right. Amen. We should, but the question remains, what do we need to be redeemed from? Who is the figurative manslayer? What is the big bad that we need an avenger to take care of? And I'll tell you, there's a lot. If you look out in the world, you see a world full, and I'm sorry to paint a grim picture if you're one of these, the world's getting better every day. Oh, sorry. There's a lot of meat. There's a lot of murders, guys. There's a lot of rapes. There's a lot of genocides. There's a lot of oppression. There's a lot of slavery. There's a lot of injustice. There's a lot of corruption. It's everywhere. People abused and taken advantage of in ways that it's hard to even conceive in your right mind. And yet, somewhere deep down, if you were attentive enough, there was a nasty, subtle, sometimes louder, sometimes quieter pull and a lure, a latent hunger to the very things you hate and the very things that you know are evil inside yourself. And if that wasn't bad enough, there's a real enemy that is compared to a dragon in his ferocity in the Old Testament and the New Testament that hates you, hates God, and wants nothing more than to see you suffer. You are tied to the Kraken's rock. And if you think that's an exaggeration, the enemies of God are called Rahab in the Old Testament. That's a sea monster. That's a great chaos dragon. You are in the lair of the dragon. And you are complicit in being there. This means that the manslayer, the bad guy, is not some neighborhood bully. It's not a marginally large problem. It's the biggest problem. It's worse than a layer full of aliens. It's something the Bible itself has to resort to calling a dragon. The greatest of all villain imagery. You don't need an Avenger. You need the Avenger. Amen. You need the hero. You need the dragon slayer. You need someone that can handle anything. And luckily, this is exactly what the children of God have. Yes. If you look in Revelation at the number of times that the devil is called a dragon, it's amazing. Then you look at how the dragon ends, and it's kind of a downer, actually. We talk about Armageddon, we talk about the last battle, probably one of the biggest misnomers in the entire Bible. Here we're going to cover it. 
Revelations 22 to 3. Look at this imagery. And he, that's God, sees the dragon, grabs him, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, and bound him. He was so fierce a few chapters ago. Now we have God grabbing him and tying him up. And threw him into the pit. So grab, tie, toss, okay? And shut it and sealed it over. Then we have the millennium. So he's in there for a thousand years. We can interpret that all kinds of different ways. Talk later. That's not the point. My point is what happens next. God lets him out. Go grab, tie, toss. Okay, you come out now. Gets a huge army together of all of the people and all the demons that don't like God. And they all get together and they surround the camp in revelation of God's people. They marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Not even a sentence. They got a clause. That's it. Armageddon is over in a clause within a sentence. Seriously, that's it. That's the whole battle. There is no battle there. Grab, tie, toss. Okay, you can come out now. Fire from heaven. We make movies about this. You've read like a 12 book series on this? Yes. What do you call that? English people. Some sort of. It's, it's just a part of the sense. All right. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That is the work of the avenger himself. Amen. Taking vengeance on the spiritual realities that hate his kids. He hates evil. He hates the devil. And he will have his vengeance in this life and the next. Thank God. My Redeemer lives. Amen. He's coming to take care of business. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 20, 14. I want to touch on this briefly. Because what got me thinking on this train of thought was the fact that we lost a very beloved person in the church in the last week. And it, I could not believe it. I got the email from Cameron and I was in disbelief. I will not tell you what my text message back to him said but it made me think this isn't right. Why in the world? Why? And it's amazing how often why comes up. And, and I don't want to make this the focus of the message. But guys, death is never okay. It doesn't matter the manner of the passing. Doesn't, don't tell me how they die in your sleep. It doesn't matter. Death itself, every time there's a death, seems like the murderer of our friends and family. Death itself. Because death is a hated enemy of God. And rest assured along with all oppression, along with all evil, along with everything that is set against his kids, even death itself will not escape the avenger. In 1 Corinthians 15, it's called the last enemy, and it will be dealt with. And that is a certainty. And you know what? Some of us might feel tonight like we're in a place of sorrow, but because of that, I would encourage you to be encouraged. Because the avenger is not going to let that go. Some of you tonight are feeling like Newt. You're feeling like the abducted daughter. And some of you might be wondering, would anyone come for me? If I was in the alien layer, certainly no one, no one would be willing to do that. There would be no one in the elevator going down with the guns duct taped together. And you know what? I'm telling you, there would. There absolutely would. Because there is a dragon slayer. There is not only an Avenger, there is the Avenger. And every single overpowered hero that we have ever invented who swoops in just in time, completely overwhelms the enemy, and then saves the people. Yes. Every single one of them 
whether it's science fiction, gritty realism, anime, or over-the-top action, yeah. is the shadowest, the tiniest, <coughs> most imperfect character of the real Avenger, yep. the real Redeemer, that has your back and is coming for you. The Bible does say, don't seek revenge. And it means that because we are supposed to forgive as we've been forgiven. But I'm here to encourage you with the fact that it also says that because that's his job. Thanks, guys. He's